Welcome to the Dying Podcast. My name is Nils, and today I am sitting in an apartment in Stockholm with my dog on my lap, drinking coffee with coconut milk, almond milk, coconut oil, coconut yeah. oil, <laughs> almond milk, and cacao. Yes, <laughs> together, and a little bit of honey as well. I and a little bit. So this is this is the focus of, of this episode: how to make <laughs> the best coffee ever. Uh, a little bit of everybody honey. should try it before they do podcasts. Exactly. And the voice you're hearing that is not mine belongs to Sebastian Fuller. Yes, a dear friend of mine. We've known each other for a few years now. Yeah. Yeah. And and you are beyond us being friends. You are and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, music producer, recording artist, and I guess songwriter. Yes, I yeah. guess you can say that. Um, I would like to add also that I think as my for myself, I see myself as a sound designer more even than a songwriter and a producer, because I I feel like in the process of making music with other people, I feel like I contribute in the way of making sounds. And kind of like see that as my purpose. But then I also obviously go into songwriting and producing as well. That's what I do. But I like to see myself as a... Because I think it's more fun to see it that way. For me, it's more like being a child. Seeing it like, oh, I have to do sounds for people. Wow. And is that... Did you always... Because you you started with music fairly young. Yeah. Very young. How how old were you when you started? Yeah. Sort of 14, 15, maybe. And then you got signed very young, too. Yeah, I was 18 or 17 when I got signed. I I, I think my uh, we were speaking about signing when I was 17, but then I couldn't sign the contract in, t- until I was 18. Uh, for so that was four reasons. months later, I think. I think that was the case. But basically you were 17. Yes, basically I was in, in any case, you yeah. were young. I got offered when I was 17. Yeah, and this was with the duo or the band that you're still in called Cassette. Yes. But then you also have your own artist project, project called yeah. Footer. Yes, correct. And and is there anything else that, that you're in or that you're doing? Well, uh, I've done various work with other people. I've been working a lot with uh, Lorene the last few years. Um I've also been working with Avicii. Uh, I've been working with uh, a lot of other songwriters and producers really like uh, doing various sessions with and just try to write for other people. There's probably a f- few that I forgot now, but the, I've been working with a lot of people. Um, yeah. Cool. And my the question I wanted to ask, so now you're saying, which I think is really interesting, that you're sort of a sound designer in a way yes it's sound that just happens to turn into music but when you started did you think that already back then that i'm a sound guy or was it like no i'm 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 doing music well when i started i didn't really see myself as anything i just you know i was naive 15 years old and just wanted i think i wanted to do music but it was not really the goal either it was just my friends were playing world of warcraft i was making music when we were hanging out so like, what do you call it in Sweden? Like, lawn? I don't know what it's called in, in English. When lawn. you sit up all night and play games yeah. with your friends. Uh, and connect a bunch of computers. Yes. I uh, think LAM, I guess it's a global way of describing it. Yeah, but maybe it's, not, maybe it's, it's called not. the same. I don't know. But uh, either way, like, I did that uh, a lot with my friends at that age. And they played World of Warcraft. I made music. And... Uh, I think for me, it was just like, I saw it as a game. It was just like, I was not really into gaming, uh, but music was a way of like playing around and see what happened, you know? And I didn't really ever think that I was going to be a producer at the time. I think I was just curious about music, but I I also did other stuff at the time. 
Um, but then eventually, like we said before, I got signed when I was like 17, 18. So that, after that, it all changed. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to work with this, which, which I was happy about. But I was never really, it was not a, a goal of mine to be. But I think I always like come back to the sound design thing. Like I, I think when I started out, I was interested in sounds. That's why I loved music so much. I was always very interested in how people made this, these synth sounds and manipulate samples and all these kind of stuff. And I remember like clearly there was this song um, from Michael Jackson called Will You Be There, which is like a very organic sounding song which with gospel choirs and stuff like that. But I just remember like I had this feeling of like, oh, I want to, how do they do this? Like with mixing and like, how does it sound so good? And it was just a curiosity of sounds. And uh, I've just been into that since the beginning. But then now when I work with it professionally, I rather see myself as a sound designer because it makes me feel like I'm 15 again and I'm not like and more naive and not feeling like, oh, I'm a producer. I have to finish this da, 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 and be serious. It's more for me as being playful. This is really interesting. So since starting the, this podcast, I'm trying to figure out why I'm doing this podcast <laughs> and what it's all about. And and I found at least um, uh, one of the reasons being that this is something that, that I'm partly doing for my son or any young person, basically, hmm. you know, heading into life and trying to find their own path. Hmm. And and what you're talking about here is it's both being sort of driven by natural creativity, hmm. but also about by curiosity based learning. So there's this, uh, it's a lot of research regarding this, that the way you learn stuff in the best possible way is to, to follow curiosity based learning. Oh. So whatever you're curious in, you should just dive into it. It makes a lot of sense when you hear Oh, that's it. scientific. Yeah. So it's oh, like, that's cool. That's, uh, you learn way better. And it's fairly obvious when you think about it. So if you go to school and someone tells you, today you are going to learn this mm. and and then you're going to answer these questions. And if you get them right, then that's a thumbs up. Mm. You get a good grade and, and everyone will say that you're good. Right. It's not an optimal way for the brain to learn because no. you're not autonomous in that. You don't basically have a choice. Someone else is is telling you this is important and you need to learn it and you need to do it now. That explains why I was shitty in school. Yeah, but also explains why <laughs> why you're you're obviously good at creating music. What's interesting here is that you are basically describing that the way you're trying to work now is to to stay naive as, you know, you were when you were yeah. 15. Yeah. And 15, the way you described this, it, is basically just curiosity-based learning. Yeah. Right? You wanted to find out how how these sounds were, were created. Exactly. And then you followed that interest and and then learned it. Mm. And that's the way to sort of stay, I guess, one of the ways to stay, stay with that sort of natural creativity. Because mm. leading up to this conversation, we talk about, okay, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, prefer to not decide, but give just a general direction. Yeah. And we said that, well, creativity is an interesting area because yeah. it's something that we both work with. 100%. I think that's, that's like a, that's an interesting starting point. And for anyone listening, potentially also a way to figure out and work with your own creativity is to, to start in, and where, where is your curiosity? 100%. Where does it lie? Right I totally now? believe in that because I, I see a lot of, especially in music, since I'm in that field of creativity, I see that a lot of people, they tend to not go with the curiosity. They rather go with like, I have to finish this song so in order to get money so I can pay rent. And there's a lot of stress about that, which I totally understand. It's fair. I can also have that from time to time. 
I think everybody has that. But I think following your curiosity and just focus on that, I think is in the long run is better because music is going to be more interesting that way. And if the music is more interesting, I think it's going to get a lot more attention from people. Not saying it's going to be like a world smash hit. It's not about that, especially not for me. I don't really, I never really had that goal of having a smash hit like that. For me, it's more important to connect with people. And if it's 50 people, 100 or 1,000 or 100,000 or a million, I don't really, it's not important to me. It's just that I want people to feel something. And if I've done that, then I've done my job well, I guess. And if I'm happy with it and feel like it's hitting me in some way, then it's then it's done for me. I'm happy. It's really interesting how... So I, I just told you before we started recording that last night I had a conversation with two young guys that I met first time maybe a year and a half ago. I did lectures at both of their respective schools and they both reached out to me afterwards. Right. And then we basically just decided, well, let's hang out mm. because for them it's it's you know valuable to speak to someone older and basically have someone teach them a bit about mm. life. Yeah. <laughs> and for me it's extremely valuable to hang out with young people. To yeah. Sort of be reminded of what it's like to be young and mm. also learn about their culture yeah. and you know, what's happening in their lives. And and one of these guys is is really into music. Mm. And it's kind of nice that the way you're describing your you know creative process in music mm. is exactly the the same way he he's describing it. Oh but really? Yeah, but he's he's where you were before you were signed. He's like 17. Yeah. Uh, and he basically and this was him just having figured this out. He mm. was like, you know, when you describe that you need to work with the curiosity and not for the end goal of like, okay, this needs to be finished so I can get paid and potentially have a smash hit, yeah. which is basically you saying the creative process then being focused on the end result mm. rather than the process. He had a similar sort of insight, but he said, you know, when I get stuck on a song and I'm like, it doesn't feel 100% perfect and I just, you know, I never get done with it. I've realized that it's better for me to just leave that and start on something completely new yes. because I will always learn something by doing something new and I'll find the energy again by doing something new. Yes. And in his world, he's not yet where, you know, I'm doing this to get paid. He wants to do it as a profession, but he's not doing it yet. Mm. And in his world, it's more like just the creative process gets stopped mm. unless you start leaving stuff behind and mm. focus on the process. Exactly. It's kind of interesting too. You know, I'm always, I like connecting uh, things that I hear from people to, to research. Yeah. I've I, I learned of. And uh, what we know is that the human brain and this is also really clear when you look at small children, is mm. designed for learning. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the purpose here is just learn and understand as much as you mm. possibly can. And if you look at a small child, that's all they want to do. Yeah. And they feel great when they learn stuff. And what we do, and I've touched upon this in previous episodes too, so it's nothing new for, for listeners, but what we do in society is we create these systems that are rarely based on curiosity-driven mm. learning, but more based on, on results-focused uh, right. um, learning, whether it's school or, or work. What we do is we put numbers on stuff. Yeah. And as soon as we put numbers on stuff, something breaks in the human brain. Yeah. So what you were referring to, like, you know, well, I don't want it to be me focused on getting paid and making sure this song is a smash hit because mm. that's your creativity or your creative process being focused on a number, basically. Mm. Well, it needs to be 
um, selling this much or getting these many streams yes. or downloads. And that breaks the creative process. Yes. So it, it makes you feel worse doing it. And the end result tends to, to not be as well created mm. and, and innovative. Exactly. And I think uh, th- that's why I uh, also believe, and this is my personal belief, I might be totally wrong. Uh, you know, that's why I believe AI is not going to beat us at creativity. Because I think we have something, I don't know what it is, but we, like humans and animals for that matter too. We have something uh, unpredictable in us. Like, I don't know if it's a, something biological intelligence or something like that that makes us different. I don't think we can all be calculated in that way. I think AI is going to do a lot of good stuff, but not in creativity. I don't think uh, it might help us be a tool, but it's not going to... Because I, from my experience of making music, for instance, it's... Um, Usually when I do, I've done the best songs, according to other people and myself, I've been in a place where I feel completely disconnected to the world for several hours. I think it can even be like six, seven hours sometimes without me eating, drinking or anything, like not water, nothing. Like, and just be completely in that thing. And afterwards I'm like, what happened? And you basically lose track of time too, right? Yes. Yeah. Totally. I don't. I like. I can sit there and let's say it's twelve, like uh, lunchtime, and then it's seven p.m. I'm like, what happened? I think that's something special. Like we humans have that ability, and I think that's that's why it's so important not to focus on results because the process is more important. It's also more rewarding to have that mentality. Since we, if we have that mentality, we're easily gonna like we're gonna be more in flow which is the best place to be when you're creating stuff. Right? Yeah, and it's really, it's what you're saying. It's flow states. Yeah. So there's a, there's a great book uh, about exactly this thing. It's Stealing Fire. Stealing Fire, exactly. Yeah, it's so, an amazing book. Yeah, for anyone who um, hasn't read it, it's really worth a read. And um, what you're describing is exactly that, that the human brain both sort of feels the best mm. and produces or you know creates in the best possible way when it is in flow states mm. and flow states is basically let's see if i can remember this i think they describe it with the, the letters stern i think i i recognize that basically what it is uh, we're probably getting this semi wrong but it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's you you end up in a, a state where you um, there's um, the experience of selflessness. So you're not really when you're in that creative process of flow, you're not really aware of yourself or your ego anymore. Mm. You're not focused on that. And there's timelessness, like mm. you're describing, that you basically lose track of time because you get so into uh, the process. Yes, yeah. effortlessness. So you know it feels easy. Mm. Everything just comes as a, a flow, and then. Uh, Richness, uh, so stir is probably uh, where this, uh, well, it's basically a rich experience. Mm. Uh, and there's tons of ways you can put yourself into mm. flow states. And that's basically, you find that in any type of creative outlet. Yeah. And, and I think anyone can relate to these moments in life, whether it's like for you and, and for me to some extent as well, music yeah. or any type of other creative output mm. that you do. For me, that also happens in certain sports. Mm. So skiing or uh, longboarding, yeah, I get into flow as well. And it's basically the equivalent of meditation. Yeah, 100%. your brain is working, but it's actually sort of resting at the same time because you're not, you know, burdening your brain with all of the 
uh, fears and anxieties of everyday life. Yeah. And you're not doing this to reach a certain goal. Exactly. Which yeah. is also, I, I just have to mention this because I told these two young guys, uh, Frederick and Noah are their names, uh, yesterday about me doing a podcast and how I've realized that I, I, I know I sensed I, I had an, an urge to do this creatively mm. and doing it, I realized that it's basically just flow state slash meditation yeah. that happens all over. So what we're doing right now is just basically just flowing yeah, where man. my brain has already lost track of time yeah. <laughs> or where we are. Yeah, I don't think about that either. No, or if anyone is going to listen or yeah. what that, you know, could, could uh, lead to. And also I have to say that, that we both have our phones, like uh, I have mine uh, with the, like how do you say, turned down. Yeah. So I don't even Facing see the down. time, which is a tip for anybody working with anything creative is not to have, now the television is on, I can see with time, but it's wrong <laughs> actually. Uh, but any clock should not be in your, you should not be aware, like any, like even on your computer, like turn off the clock. Don't look at it um, because that distracts you. Uh, so at least subconsciously, like it, it's you, you'll notice it. So if you turn that off, it's going to be a lot easier to come in a flow state. Same goes with uh, not just clocks, but any screen. Once again, there's research, yeah. and I don't remember where or exactly what it's showing because uh, I can't remember the exact study. But I know that they've done studies where you get to you place people in a room yeah, and yeah, just yeah. let them like solve uh, a problem yeah, or a I've challenge. Seen this, yeah. And if you just have a phone in the room, mm. they perform worse. Yeah. If they just know there's it, a even phone in the, in the even room. in the other room next to it, right? Like, wow. Yeah. I think there's something like that. It's insanely like how, because they, they call it like, what do you call it? Like the baby effect or something like that. Because it's like uh, having a, a small baby, like th- that you feel that you have to take care of and look after. It's the same thing for the brain, That's which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I can obviously relate to that. Having a small baby at yeah. home, <laughs> uh, you, it's fascinating how you hear this before becoming a parent that, mm. you know, Things just become impossible and everything you are supposed to do takes three times as long. Mm. And it's really true. And mm. you can't really explain why. So mm. it's like when when we're going somewhere, like, okay, we're just going to get our stuff and go. Or if I'm home trying to work, mm. everything takes you know, enormous amounts of time. Mm. Not because he is crying all the time or being hungry all the time, but because my brain, now that you say it, I realize that it's because my brain is partly focused on him yeah. at all times. Of course. And then it can't, then, then, you know, a big chunk of my processes in the brain are focused on that thing, which means they can't do anything else. Exactly. So anything else I'll do will take a lot longer. Yeah. And also not feel, it's, it's much harder to be in that flow state because you know you can't just like zoom in on, mm. on this conversation. Exactly. Or creating music or whatever it may be. Yeah, but the, the yeah, but the thing is like that's that's a real baby, so it it that makes it justifies it like yeah. in a sense. But like in 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 uh, uh, in the case of the phone, it's, in the case of the phone, it's uh, I really recommend people to uh, to turn off their phones when they work. Also, like I've seen also like people at regular office spaces working with I don't know economics or whatever. They also use social media in the middle of like when they work, and which is fine if you want to do it, but. I feel like it's a nice feeling. I spoke to my friend. He works with construction. I asked him like a while ago, do you ever felt that you go into these flow states? He's like, what's that? And I explained it. And then he said like, yeah, you know what? That happens to me once or twice a week at work. He goes to an apartment building and they have to redo every, let's say, wall. 
and he has this thing. He knows what he's going to do. And he's skilled, obviously. So then he just goes and do it. And then he says, like, he loses track of time. And then it's like five, six hours is gone. And then he's done. He's like, oh, how did I do this wall? He didn't even think about it. But that's, uh, so for you and me, not doing that type of physical labor, most of the time at least. For us, it's more about being creative in whatever it is that we're creating, which is more about the mind than the body a lot of times. But obviously it works in the same way. It's like doing that type of labor is also a meditative experience. And it's easy to get into flow doing that kind of thing. Yeah, I believe everybody can access that state of flow, whatever they're doing in life. Uh, You don't necessarily have to be creative. You can do it like while doing dishes. I don't know. It can just be a very nice thing to experience. You just like get in this place where you don't think anymore and just do stuff. And then it's like, oh, it's done. You know, that feeling is extremely, it's also very addictive, I think. But it's it's a nice way of being, it's the best way to be addicted to something, I think. Yeah, so let's let's go into that in just a second. But before we finish this sort of trail of thought, in previous conversations, I've sort of realized that in order to evolve, hmm. Uh, as a human being and to learn how to deal with yourself and your relationships and all these things it's really good to create space to face yourself where you're sort of forced to face yourself because there's nothing else going on and at the same time we're talking about flow being something that's really good for you both creatively in terms of what output you create Mm. but also in terms of your brain just you know it's good for your brain to be in flow states because it's a meditative experience and then which happens a lot in my brain i bring it back to some of the experiences that i've had and burning man being one of these stellar examples Mm. (laughs) obviously Uh, this is also mentioned actually in the flow book stealing fire But uh, having been there, you can also understand that uh, that type of event is created to basically serve both these purposes. Mm. So it really brings you sort of the richness, the timelessness, where you feel or can feel in a lot of creative flow. Mm. But at the same time, it gives you space to face yourself. So that's probably why that type of experience is so strong and transformative for people. Because you mix low states with facing yourself. So this could be something to for anyone interested in, you know, developing further as a human being, both creatively, but also to just feel feel better. It could be try to to create that type of experience for yourself or find that type of experience. Yeah. Combining flow with just having to face who you are and and Exactly. And I think also Burning Man is a, is a, like we were there last year. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was my first time and I think the 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 nice thing about Burning Man is, like you said, you lose track of time because nobody has their phone on them. Or if you do, it's maybe because you want to take one picture. I took like two pictures of that uh, when we were there. Um, Which is crazy because it's the most Instagram friendly place on planet. It's it's crazy. Like uh, The sunlight and everything, when it's sundown, the pictures becomes beautiful. It just looks great. But yeah, like the, the, I used my phone maybe twice there and it was just for maybe one second two seconds like it was barely nothing and then i didn't know any like i didn't know what time it was in the morning you know at night you just went with it and i think that thing you can also bring it back home you don't have to necessarily be there to experience it you can also do that at home when you're working or when you're just hanging out with your girlfriend boyfriend whatever you have or friends just don't use your phone to begin with and don't look at any clock around you and you'll notice that even like when you're hanging out with friends, you can come into this nice 
space. It doesn't necessarily have to be flow, but it's like losing track of time is like a very nice feeling. Just feel very open and very like, uh, I don't know, pure in a sense. There's no issues anymore. And uh, it's very easy to bring that back to your everyday life. But people don't really do that. I think we're extremely addicted to our phones and games or whatever we have. And I think to do that at least a few times a week would be a good thing to try at least. So we've sort of covered the the obvious positive aspects of creativity and flow states and letting your mind be in that type of space. Mm. But you you touched upon it a little bit, and I for one really am sometimes struggling with what I see as a potential downside of having your brain work in this type of way. Yeah. And for me, it's 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 sort of an addiction mm. that uh, flow states and innovation and creativity is actually an addiction mm. for me. So it's it's something that fills my life with purpose and all sorts of magical things. Mm. But it's also at times slightly destructive or at least something that's tough for me to deal with. Mm. Do you ever experience, you know, your creativity or your work as as burdening or something that you get addicted to or does it have any type of negative impact? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, you can't just do anything in life and just expect that it's not going to have any downsides. Uh, I mean, that's a part of life, whatever you're doing. And there's nothing like 100% great. With creativity, it comes a lot of, I think it comes a lot of responsibility with it. And uh, to have some sort of structure and don't lose. I mean, we talked about losing track of time and like just be like there. Uh, but obviously you have your regular life with your girlfriend, boyfriend, your friends. Um, and like, you have to have a balance. I think that's what I noticed the last few years, because I was back, back in there, I was touring with cassette. Which, uh, which you're not doing anymore. Exactly. Which I think is worth mentioning. Yes. That's, that was a deliberate decision by you yeah. to stop touring. Exactly. And uh, it, 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 for me, it was the best decision that I ever made because I was not happy with traveling around like that. And I think it's the, what I noticed there was that I didn't have any balance in my life. It, it, the creativity wasn't there anymore because I was traveling all the time and I had a hard time being creative when I was on a plane all the time or hotel room. I didn't feel that inspiring. So when I got back home, I remember I had this, I was so used to traveling. So I was always, I always had this urge of like doing something because we were always doing something when we were traveling. So that took like a year to for me to get back on regular life. So to reprogram your brain. Yeah, exactly. And the, that was hard for me. And then, then obviously I was very creative and worked a lot. And then I got burnt out because I was working too much. And uh, like you say, it is very addictive and you have to be extremely careful and be very gentle to yourself not to take it too far. I think the best way to not end up in that place is, I have a few tips from experience, is to workout, any workout, you don't have to go to the gym, anything that you think is fun to do. Like you can be playing soccer some few times a week with friends, or it can be yoga, it can be um, jogging, I don't know, boxing, whatever you feel like works for you, do that because it it actually resets your system and you don't become as stressed. And also it, it uh, you know, you take some time in your calendar to actually do something else, which is good. Then I, I do recommend to have some sort of re- relaxation. It can be just taking naps or it can be meditation if you like that. I don't do that as much anymore. Uh, I have periods of time when I do that. But any relaxation is good. And then the most important thing, spend time with your friends. Whatever you do, just take at least two times a week. Just spend time with your friends. 
and don't do anything important. Just eat food with them, drink wine, uh, if you like that, like I do that. <laughs> and then um, go to the movies, just do something like that does not involve creativity or anything like that. It's very important to have that balance because if you do that, you're also gonna have more energy to do more creative stuff later on and not to be as drained. I have to think for the future. I have to be long lasting in this business that I'm that I'm in. You know, I can't just be burnt out every single year. Then it's not nothing. Maybe I'm not going to be able to work anymore after that because I get so tired. So balance is extremely important. It's interesting that obviously I agree, uh, but it's also it can be really hard. So you're saying two things that makes a lot of sense. It's one that look at yourself as a long-term project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're in it for the long run. Mm. This is a life. It is a long-term project. It's a life, yeah. So that, I think, makes it easier to make a decision today that, okay, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to do this particular thing right now mm. because that is an investment. Uh, not doing this is an investment in my future yes. self. And since you, I mean, you stopped touring. And and to put this into context, you were signed when you were very young. Yeah. You, I guess, almost immediately started touring, or early on at least. Yeah, I was. I started my first uh, my first tour was September. I, I'm born in August, uh, so I, my birthday was August fifteenth, and I remember I went on tour like two weeks after that. As an eighteen year old, yeah. just turned eighteen. A month U.S. tour. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one way to kickstart a career. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, I mean, I've gone through uh, facing the fear of both sort of letting go of my identity, but also, you know, what I felt safe in doing because I knew this was my profession and this gave me money. Mm. And then I stopped. This was was running a marketing agency yeah. and, and being that kind of person, and it was really really tough to do that because mm. I was really scared in doing that. Mm. But I was a lot older than you than when I did it. And you were, you know, young, becoming a success, touring the world. And touring the world is, you know, for an artist, a big part of being an artist. Yeah. And definitely today, a big part of how you make money mm. as an artist with how the music industry has changed. So I'm, I'm guessing here that that was not a super easy decision to make no. uh, and for, and you're not, you know, you're not in a vacuum here. You work with a lot of other people. And mm. I'm guessing most of those people from just a, if you only look at from a financial point of view, it would be better if you would have kept yes. touring. 100%. So how, how was it going through that process? And, and how did you actually manage to find sort of the courage to stand up for yourself and actually make this decision? I have to say that it was actually easier than I thought it would be. Because I, I think... My cup was kind of filled at the time. I was just so out of it. And, you know, I had my fair share of, like, breakdowns before that. I was depressed for six months, like, I think it was when I was 19. I obviously got uh, out of it and then went back touring and uh, went great for a while. And it was sort of fun, but I always felt there was something wrong. And then I think I had some back problem a year after that again, or maybe two years after that. And I think that was my second breakdown. It was like a symptom of like saying like there's something wrong in, with your life. You're not doing, you're not following your your path, sort of. And um, it was just symptoms for me. And at the time, I was just trying to read and like understand what was going on. I, I remember I also was sick a lot. I got like fevers all the time, and I 
went to so many doctors and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And then I uh, finally found a doctor who said, like, I think you just have some issues with this and this with your diet and stuff like that. I changed my diet. I changed, I took some um, supplements and then I got well and I felt better. And um, But it was always like, it didn't really fix everything for me, even though like, and even my back problems turned out to be good, but it was not really, it was not it either. So eventually I just felt like, the cup was filled, like I said, and all this stuff has come to me because it wants to, it's trying to communicate and say, like, this is not for you. So when I made the decision, it was very, like, it went really fast. I remember I just, I had this feeling and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I just called uh, Alex, my colleague, and I just said, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, and he understood it and he knew he, I was kind of going He knew it was coming. Yeah. And then I called my, at the time, my manager, and um, he was fine with it. And he just said, like, yeah, of course, you do whatever you feel is good for you. And then, so everybody understood, my family too, and it was it was all good. So it, was, it wasn't really scary for me. And I didn't really see the, obviously, some people said, like, oh, how are you going to do with money? But I didn't really care about that because it, it was just so overwhelming for me to keep on touring. So you can't think of money then. I want to have a happy as like a happy life or not happy, but fulfilling yeah, fulfilling, and just feel like that I'm doing something and uh, meaningful, I would say. Yeah. And uh, it was not meaningful touring. So the decision was so easy at the time. And I think I also had my fair, like a fair share of what was it like five, six years of touring. So I had time to think about it. <laughs> so when I made the decision was just like, yep, I, I can't do this anymore. This is it's so similar to when I made the decision to leave my agency mm. a couple of years back before we got to know each other. And if you, if you sort of, if you look at the structure of this, there's, to me, there are a few elements that, that are exactly the same. Mm. So, so one is the sort of the pain increases in you. Yeah. Like the, that pain is basically just a signal saying you need to change something. You're not following your path fully. Mm. And like you're describing, your your cup was filled. That happened to me too. Yeah. But it sort of it grad it took a lot long time. And I always had that I sensed that, you know, this is not it's not fully it. But I had so many, I still had a lot of fears and I didn't know like what was actually wrong or what type of change I needed. But at one point it just that cup was filled yeah. and then everything is clear and that pain signal is so strong that you can't ignore it yeah. and nothing else matters. You just want to rid yourself of that pain. Exactly. So money goes out the door, nothing matters. And to me, it's like when you go through that phase, that is transformation. That's you going through a transformation yeah. loop. If you get stuck there and don't do it, that's where you end up in deep depression. Yeah. Um, so that's one aspect of it that, mm. you know, this pain fills up and you need to learn to listen to that pain. Yeah. And once it's full, it's that's all your mind can hear. That's your entire system is just filled with this pain and you know you need to deal with it. Yeah. And you sort of don't even have a choice. Yeah. Which is, you know, really cool that it works like that. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, uh, other things that that resonates with me. One is like you're describing how uh, how Alex and and your manager and the people around you fully understood. Mm. I had the same experience that mm. I had a lot of fear leading up to it that oh I can't make that decision and that's going to you know impact a lot of people around me and what are they going to think and they're not going to like this so I, you know my mind is just telling me stuff creating mm. uh, an expectation of of painful stuff to happen if yeah. I make this decision. But then once you do it you understand that oh 
that was just my brain yeah. creating this potential problem. 100%. And then it actually wasn't a problem and mm. everybody understood. Yeah, I had the same. Like, uh, I thought everybody was going to hate me. But uh, it was the exact opposite to that. It was just like so much love and understanding and very, it was very nice. Like I said, like the, the brain usually goes in that direction, just trying to figure out the worst possible thing that's going to happen. You obviously don't want to let people down, but you got to do what you got to do, you know, to, in order to feel good. Yeah, and I, I think, think what, that, that's how other people get happy too. Exactly. I think what you're actually doing here is, is the opposite of letting people down. So yeah. sure, for sure, in the short term, it can be, you know, oh, how are we going to deal with this now? Because yeah. this guy's not touring and this guy doesn't want to be part of this company anymore. But it's actually you taking full responsibility for your own path. Yeah. It's being fully the human being that you are. And that shines through when yeah. you make a decision like that and you're so sure of it and uh, then other human beings around you will see that okay this is the process this person needs to go through yeah and they will respond to that in a positive way both with understanding but i would say also being consciously or subconsciously inspired to be able to do the same for yourself at yeah. some point when you happen to be at that point where you need to make this this change mm. It's kind of beautiful because when we're when we're not making the change and we're scared of, of doing that, we're sort of stuck in this fear-based system, you yeah. know, and expecting everything to, to end badly. But then once we are fully true to ourselves, all the fear goes out the window yeah. too. And you end up, in my experience, becoming much more the person you actually are. Yeah. And and bringing much more value to the people around you. Yeah. And I think I think also fear is usually it's an interesting thing because I think fear is it's not necessarily always bad. It's all about how you're using it. And um, because like we said before, the brain always tells you like, oh, this you're gonna let this person out, blah, blah, blah. That's just talk. But fear, I mean, the fear, feeling of fear, you can actually use it to your advantage, I think. That's my personal experience. Because fear can also tell you what's wrong with certain situations. We have this biology, like, we, like we're so intelligent creatures and like we have these feelings don't pop up out of nowhere. I think it's when I was touring, I felt this fear all the time. And I thought it was like, oh, it's anxiety. But I think it was just my body and mind telling me like, no, you're not doing, you're, you're on the wrong path. It's like intuition almost. It just tries to steer you in the right direction. But if you don't listen to your fear, then it's going to be more fear. <laughs> and that's the bad fear, yeah. you know. But the fear can also be good in that sense. Like if you listen to it and just try to observe it more, it can actually help you to come into a better place, I think. That's my personal experience. I, I fully agree. And it's, it's interesting how, you know, there's always this synchronization happening in life. So yeah. just yesterday I listened to a podcast talking about fear podcast by Aubrey Marcus, which I can highly recommend if you're interested in listening to other podcasts. Um, I actually listened to him yesterday too, uh, by coincidence, which is funny. Uh, I haven't listened to his podcast before. The Synchronization of the Universe. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Like I I, uh, I think I listened to his episode with Wim Hof, I think. Oh, the, because the, I've done the breath work. Yeah, yeah, and like cold showers. I just thought it was interesting to listen to that and yeah, it was a great episode. I think it's a great interview as well. It's a really great podcast to listen to. And they in the this was another episode I was listening to, but they also spoke about uh, fear and how this thing actually works. And mm. you should not try to just avoid fear or think that you can rid yourself of all fears. But basically what, what you should be practicing is trying to just observe it and deal with it and let it sit there and try to figure out what it's telling you yeah. instead of trying to running away from it. Yeah. 
Which that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, and hundred percent. There was a quote um, that he mentioned from somewhere. Uh, basically, it was, "What you damn ends up damning you." So basically, in my case, having had a lot of issues with death, mm. that's been you know it's taking up a lot of my uh, thought processes for mm. a few years now, and it's a combination of of. Um, wanting to understand it and a fascination with wow that's you know that's the next step after this dimension yeah, yeah. I mean that's wow what is that thing about but at the same time there's also a good amount of fear mm. and the fear is connected to me losing everybody I love yeah since I damn that thing you know damn you death because you're gonna take everybody <laughs> I love away yeah. from me yeah death ends up damning me mm. and and forcing me to, to think about that yeah all the time mm. so the thing that you're f- scared of, and can easily, you know, take over your mental yes. processes. And that is fine as long as you accept it and try to learn from it and listen to it. Yes. So it doesn't end up damning you. Yes. So yeah, uh, once again, everything is in synchronization here. Yeah. yeah. Which is also the beautiful thing about having conversations like this, yeah. whether you record them as a podcast or not, yeah. is this is how we learn. This is how we level, right? 100%. Just having this conversation brings me a lot of new viewpoints of, on stuff I've thought about. Yeah. And also finding the, I think what makes sense for for people working creatively is that I, having now had this conversation with you, feel like, wow, your experience is just the same as mine, but in very different fields. I was mm. running this company and it was marketing and, and you were touring and mm. it was music, but the experience was basically exactly the same. Yeah. And the change process, the transformation process was basically exactly the same. So yeah. there's this clear pattern to how these processes work. And once you learn to understand them, you can sort of see them coming and train yourself to deal with them in a better way. Yeah. So, you, so they can become a little bit smoother mm. and don't have to, you know, you don't have to go through a phase of depression every time you're about to transform and um, and change. Exactly. And I think also change is always scary. I find myself always scared of change, not like overwhelmed by it, but I think everybody feels that from time to time. But I think it's so important when you're doing like we have done, changing career paths, like in the middle of it and, I think the important thing is to see, and also back to the curiosity, be curious about, wow, where is this going to take me? Interesting. And have that mentality. Even like force yourself to say that to yourself every day. Hmm, interesting. Where is this going to take me from now? What's going to, like, if you're uh, worried about finance, like uh, about money, it's like, hmm, interesting. How am I going to get money from now on? Ask yourself that question instead of saying, shit, what's going to happen to me? Uh, Because... You're just fueling something that's not really existing at the time. The curiosity aspect of life is very, it's very, it's much better to have that mentality. Uh, Obviously, you have to see if you're in a, let's say, so-called bad situation and you don't have any money and you don't have a job. Obviously, you have to take care of that and just make sure you can pay rent and just be content with that. But just be also curious and like, okay, how can I solve this issue? Should I get a day-to-day job and then work on my creative stuff, let's say, in the nighttime? And don't see it as a bad thing because every single one that I met that are the best at what they're doing have always had shitty times. And I mean shitty times. <laughs> really bad, bad, bad times. And um, been doing like all sorts of stuff that you think like, how did they get out of it? But they managed to do it. I think it's the curiosity that made them get out of it. That's the... 
how do you say like röra tråden? Right? Yeah, that, that's the how do you say that? The red thread would be the the way yeah. to direct translate. Yeah, but it's like the it's, it's a common common pattern. denominator. Yeah, the yeah. common denominator, the pattern that goes yeah. through all this. So exactly. I, I think that's a great endpoint. So when you come up against these fears, try to you know find the curiosity yeah. in that process in that transition yes. and try to just follow that curiosity yeah. I, I, i fully agree with that yeah thank you that's a great ending point yeah. to this thank podcast you. and as always i uh, you know i always feel like i want to sit here for another five hours yeah, yeah. just keep going we could easily do that yeah because it's flow state you know yeah. but we have to end at some point thank you sebastian for being on uh, thank you, on this podcast and uh it's i'm curious to see what you're about to do next in life yeah i'm i'm curious about it as well i think I'm just uh, excited for the future. And I think um, we all should be excited, even wherever we are in life. Yeah, I mean, future is going to happen no matter what. Yeah. So we might as well be excited about yes. it. Yes. Thank you. And uh, to you guys listening, as always, uh, reach out with thoughts, reactions, emotions, suggestions, questions, whatever you like. Uh, if you like this, uh, this episode, feel free to like it and share it and subscribe. I think that's the first time I've ever said that on this platform. <laughs> I'm the yeah. worst at marketing my own podcast, <laughs> even though I'm a professional marketer. But yeah, if you like it, feel free to do that. Uh, in any case, have a lovely day and um, be excited about the future. 